Welcome to Truth, Culture, and Life. My name is Sierra Heitkamp. I am a co-host of the show, and we are going to be doing things a little bit differently this week. The first couple of segments, you're just going to have myself discussing a few topics that I have heavy on my heart. While Royce Hood is on a mission to Gower, Missouri, he's working on the Incorruptible movie that we've talked about quite frequently on the show, and he will be providing an update as well. And Father Orsi, well, you know, he's doing what Father Orsi does. <laughs> I'm sure I'd be having a lot of fun if I was down in Naples uh, instead of up here in, in the tundra in North Dakota. And this week, like I said, you know, I wanted to speak about some things I've had on my heart, some things I thought that I could speak about with my opportunity to be by myself on the show for these first couple of segments. But I first wanted to start by giving the Facebook page a shout out. Make sure you check us out on Truth Culture Life Pod, where we're going to be posting some of the links on the stories we talk about on the show, as well as anything else that's pertinent to what we have going on. So this week, I have been on a little bit of a journey. You know, I heard that we are supposed to focus on the season that God has put us in and always be grateful for that season. And one thing that I've been going through, big changes. I mean, I have had with my consulting business, it's one of those times during the year where you're looking at contract reviews, figuring out next steps. And sometimes, not always, but sometimes I almost get to the point with that where I'm nervous. I'm fearful. I don't know what next steps are. Where has God put me? Where is God going to put me? And one thing that I've really challenged myself to do this year is to A, not take things personally, but B, just be grateful for the season that God has put me in. If I have more time on my hands at this point to enjoy quiet, to enjoy peace, how can I take this and use this for my own benefit. And so I've really been trying to find ways where I can meditate more, read my Bible more, do some more discernment. And I found a great book on Amazon that I have been following along with. It is called The Bible in 52 Weeks, a year-long Bible study for women. And I know for a fact that they have these for men as well. And so what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to take the link for this Bible study in particular and post it on the Facebook page so that anybody can check it out. But basically what this book does is it goes week by week. Um, it reads through, you know, on day one, let's say I'm on week six, tear down your barriers. Day one is Matthew 23, 25. Day two is Matthew 26, 28, and so on and so forth. And you go through and you read through these. And then it gives you an opportunity to really, you know, break down, okay, what have you learned? What are you supposed to take away from this? And with this opportunity to read more and study the Bible more, you know, I've started to question myself too, what is my why? What keeps me going? What keeps me motivated? What, what am I going towards? And even though God's plan is so beautiful and something that we are not supposed to understand 100%. This is something that you can really take the opportunity to build your trust with the Lord. So in the book of Exodus, when God is leading the Israelites out of Egypt, 
he states, well, it isn't, it's stated in the book of Exodus that there is an easier path out of Egypt. Straight across, no issues, no roundabout turns, but God's plan is bigger. And he wanted to create confusion with leadership in Egypt. He wanted to give the Pharaoh, as he was hardening his heart, time to question letting the Israelites go. And so even though the Israelites were thinking, hey, there's a straight across path here. Why aren't we going this way? God was telling Moses, no, zigzag, duck and dodge, go this way and stay one night, go this way and stay another night. And the reason he was doing that is because God always has other pieces moving. And he wanted to be able to show the Israelites, no, this is my power. This is my strength. We're going to get you to the Red Sea and Moses is going to have this plan where he splits the Red Sea and you were shown my power and my authority and how I'm going to defeat the Egyptians. And I think that that is a really strong, a very strong lesson to know in the sense that, you know, my my idea or my goal is right there. It's right in arm's reach. And why can't I get it? What is holding me back from grabbing this? And we need to realize that, you know, God has these moving pieces behind the scenes. He's changing people's hearts and minds. He's doing his own plan because his plan is more beautiful and intricate than we will ever know. But in the same breath, this is my point for the podcast this week in this segment. Take the time. Take the time to ponder and question. The most important thing you can do is question. What is your why? What is keeping you going? Are you doing what God has called you to do? And every person is unique. God has made us all unique and beautifully made. We all have different talents. And I know that many of us do work nine to five. Many of us have intense family commitments. We have other things that we're doing But if you sit down and think about it, are you doing what God has called you to do? Are you spreading his love and his word? And are you loving your neighbor? And are you taking the time every day to to pray and think about what God wants for you? Because God truly loves you and he wants you to be in the best position that you can be. So be grateful for the season that you're in. Pray for further opportunity. If you struggle with patience, if you struggle for forgiveness, it is one thing to pray for the ability to be able to do those things better. But generally what I've learned is if you struggle with patience or forgiveness, pray for the opportunity to practice those virtues. If there is something in life where, you know, you're quick to move, you're quick to make a decision ask for the opportunity to practice patience. Practice sitting on these decisions before you're actively doing those. And I think that all of us can always work on this. One thing I also wanted to do in in this book, the, The Bible in 52 Weeks, it is by Dr. Kimberly D. Moore. There was one prayer I wanted to say, you know, at the end of all these weekly challenges, they have a prayer for the week. 
And this is the prayer that I wanted to share with you all today. Dear Lord, it is my desire to please you in all of my ways. Help me to be a light and a positive role model in the lives of the people I encountered this week. I know that you have a purpose and a plan for each of us. It is my prayer that you will help me daily trust in you with all of my heart and lean not on my own understanding, but in all of my ways. I am trusting you to direct my path. Amen. And I thought that that was just such a beautiful prayer and something that might be able to really resonate with all of us as we go into this weekend and as we go into this new week that we have before us. One thing that we have considered doing at Truth Culture in Life is continuing the different kinds of content that we are putting out to our listeners. And we are so grateful for the followers that we have and those who follow us on Facebook, interact with our posts, are providing positive feedback for what we are working on. But we've really considered, you know, what type of content we're putting out and what we could be doing differently. And so one thing that we are in the works of discussing is actually doing a daily devotional podcast. So what we would do is we would set this up. uh, We'll have more information posted on our Facebook page as we continue to work through this idea. But basically, we would like to do a daily 10-minute podcast where we read through a devotional provide the challenges, provide the breakdown, provide the opportunity for those listening to meditate and really think about the passage of the day. And so while I say that, we would really like your feedback on this idea. We're going to have some information posted on our Facebook page, Truth Culture Life Pod. And if there's any feedback, anything that you can provide we're always listening. If you're not comfortable posting directly on our Facebook page, never hesitate to shoot us a message. Uh, We check that pretty regularly. And another thought that I had, or that we've had as a team, is, you know, what would you like to hear from us? And I just wanted to briefly mention that. Um, And we look forward to the response that we should have, uh, on our different platforms regarding that. Now, one thing that I found very interesting this week is I actually found a tweet from a Catholic discussing his faith and, you know, a few different ideas that he had in regard to what he's learned from his faith. I'm just going to read it briefly and then we'll get into it. I am a Catholic, baptized, raised, and confirmed. The fundamental tenets of my faith compel me to defend a woman's right to access abortion. I'm proudly part of the faithful, faithful large majority of U.S. Catholics who support legal protections for abortion access. And then he goes on further to actually post a full statement regarding this comment that he has made. And the response was, you know, I don't, I don't have any idea what fundamental is supposed to mean in this situation, but the literal tenets of faith, the Catholic faith, say abortion is a serious sin. 
And this is something I wanted to bring up because I think it's pretty interesting. You know, we talk about this quite a bit on the show. Where are we at with the separation of church and the political realm? I don't even necessarily mean church and state. You know, you have these institutions like the federal treasury or health and human services, not even that, just the separation of church and political beliefs. And I'm not necessarily sure, I mean, I'm sure Father Orsi could answer this question where we got onto this idea that you can be Catholic or Lutheran or whatever you have been raised, your denomination, but you can have a different ideas on abortion. You can be pro-choice. You can be pro the mutilation of children in regard to gender affirming care because the folks who are doing that aren't Catholic or aren't Lutheran or aren't your denomination. And so you can't tell them what to do. And this isn't necessarily something of, you know, we need to be in charge. We need to be telling people what they can and cannot do with their bodies. But as we talked last week on the show, when you're born, you're given this natural instinct. You're given this knowledge of right from wrong. And it seems that as we get older, that idea of right from wrong, it becomes blurred. It becomes, oh my gosh, we cannot necessarily answer that because I'm not in your situation. I don't have your perspective. We forget to listen to that internal voice and that internal thought process of no, this is wrong. And with the election coming up, I think it's very important that our fellow Catholics, the folks listening today, you know, you take the time to truly understand your beliefs and understand how that will reflect into the candidates that are running or the candidates who are, you know, putting their names in the arena. Who can you support based on their actual beliefs? And there's a lot of foggy lines. I mean, We'll do our best to try to point out the differences in people, but it's truly interesting to me how we almost forget about the fundamental issues that we need to know where people are at on those issues. For example, abortion. You know, my governor in North Dakota, he's running for the presidency now, and abortion is an issue that he will not touch with a 10-foot pole. He will not address it. He will not talk about where he's at on there. Now, is that good or bad? Because as Catholics, we're pro-life. We want to defend the sanctity of human life. We want to continue this idea of respecting human life at all stages. And so if we have folks who are running for office or folks who we're potentially electing and we can't even figure out where they are on an issue is that good or bad? So educating ourselves, being able to speak on these issues is so important because we will have people like the person who wrote this tweet about being Catholic. You know, it's like they're trying to um, create reliability behind what they're going to say. I am Catholic, baptized, raised, and confirmed. But then they throw out this idea that's completely from left field. And so if you 
are out there and you're talking to someone and they say something similar, not that you need to fight people who have different opinions than you, but I mean, for me, if I was at a coffee shop and I heard someone say this, would you be able to defend your stance on being pro-life? And I think that that's a question we all need to ask ourselves, similar to what I was speaking about earlier. You know, be grateful for the season that we are in. Do you have the opportunity at this point in time to actually take the time to educate yourself and learn more about your stances and where you're at politically and with your Catholic faith? If you have the opportunity to further your education and your knowledge, I highly implore you to do that today. We're going to head to commercial break. Thank you so much for listening to Truth, Culture, and Life. We'll be back shortly. July is the month for Catholic Spirit Radio's Matching Monday. I'm this year's Matching Monday donor, Patricia, and I'm going to double up to $6,000 every donation made on the Mondays in July. I challenge you to donate big, so I have to write that matching big check. Donate online at catholicspiritradio.com or mail your check on any Monday in July to 108 Boykin's Place in Normal. Why am I willing to be the matching donor? Before I converted, Catholicism seemed mysterious to me, even though my husband was Catholic. However, after speaking with a priest, I knew I wanted to become a Catholic too. I began listening to EWTN programs and grew tremendously in my understanding and love of the faith. When my children came along, I was thankful that we could attend church together, and we still do whenever family comes to town. Catholic Spirit Radio needs our financial support so we can grow in our faith. If you've never donated, start this July. If you've donated in the past, July is the month to give extra. Remember, I will double it during July Matching Mondays. Am I pregnant? This is often the first question a woman needs answered when she comes to the Pregnancy Resource Center. What now is the second question. Living Alternatives Pregnancy Resource Center is committed to providing excellent care, compassionate support, and honest information to those facing pregnancy decisions through authentic relationships that display grace, honor life, and foster community. Living Alternatives needs your help to encourage and support women in Bloomington Normal. Make your donation or find out more ways to get involved at PregnancyResourceCenter.org. Help seniors remain independent. Faith in Action is a nonprofit providing transportation for people over 60 to medical appointments and grocery stores. Become a Faith in Action driver in the extended Bloomington Normal area, 309-827-7780. Hi, this is Kathy and Anne from Catholic Spirit Radio. We are looking for folks who would love to volunteer with us during our fundraisers and various other station events and tasks throughout the year. We really need volunteers in the DeKalb, Sycamore, Morris, Joliet, and Lincoln areas, as well as Bloomington Normal. If you have a few extra hours or more a month, put them to use for the Lord. We would love to add your name to our Catholic Spirit Radio volunteer list. Contact us at office at catholicspiritradio.org. 24-7 Catholic Radio. Catholic Spirit Radio. Welcome back to Truth, Culture, and Life. My name is Sierra Heikamp. I am solo hosting this segment today, just like I did the last. <laughs> uh, Father Orsi must be out enjoying the weather in Naples, Florida, and Royce Hood is actually heading back down to Gower, Missouri, where he is working uh, on the story of Sister Wilhelmina. So prayers for his safe travel and safe return as he is working 
on this incredible story. I mean, it, it truly is amazing. I talked to so many people who, you know, are of different denominations and my family has recently come to North Dakota from Arizona and a few other places. We have a family wedding this weekend and they asked me what I do. And I'm like, well, you know, I have this wonderful opportunity where I get to uh, host a radio show, co-host a radio show. And one of my co-hosts is working on this amazing story and everyone knows about Sister Wilhelmina. I don't think I've talked to one person who has gone, oh, what story? Oh, I guess I haven't heard about that. So it, it's truly amazing how this story has just branched out and almost taken the nation, I can say confidently by hold. Because people are just amazed. People are trying to find out what does this mean? What other oper- you know, what other things are going to be coming up? And it'll be interesting to see how things roll out here. I know Royce is working very hard on getting us some amazing content with the story. And we really can't wait to share that with you. So if you're interested, please follow us on our Facebook page, Truth Culture Life Pod. And we will be continuing to post on there uh, links from the story about the incorruptible Sister Wilhelmina, as well as any links regarding our show or updated news that we would like to talk about. So let's get back into it. You know, the last segment, the previous segment, I talked a little bit about my faith journey and just some things that have been on my heart and some things that I'm so grateful I've been able to speak about, uh, given the fact that I'm solo hosting this week. But one thing I wanted to speak about now is some headlines. And so there's been a lot going on in the last few weeks. I mean, things have been very popular with the overturn of Roe. We've seen all of these studies come out showing that, yes, in a lot of the bigger blue states, such as Minnesota, Colorado, um, California, there has been a slight uptick in abortions being performed in those states. Because a lot of these red states are outlawing or making it so that abortions cannot occur. With that being said, since the overturn of Roe v. Wade, we're down almost 24,000 abortions since the baseline in previous years. So that is truly amazing. And one thing that is really amazing is a lot of these red states, even including my home state in North Dakota these states are almost basically outlying abortion, including Florida, including a lot of Southern states. But what we've done is we've really looked into trying to figure out, all right, more babies are being born. And it seems that pro-life folks always get hit on the fact that, okay, you're pro-birth, you're not pro-life. When the baby is born and the baby is born in these horrid circumstances, let's say, What are you actually doing to ensure that these children are being given the best opportunity to be successful, to thrive, and to have a good education, good family life, etc.? And it's really amazing what a lot of these red states are doing. I mean, they're looking into reforming TANF programs, uh, looking into seeing what they can do to provide assistance for pregnant women, and even in states where they're removing certain sales tax on baby items in the state of Florida, they just made it so that 
anything that can be directly linked to a child five years or younger. So diapers, clothing, formula, all of that has been given sales tax exemption, which is amazing, which is huge. And so we've seen in a lot of these states, if you look at the Charlotte Lozier Institute, which is um, partnered with Susan B. Anthony Group, they've shown that in these states, a lot of the women who are actually having abortions already have at least one child. And off the top of my head, I can only think about the stats in North Dakota, but it was close to 25% of the women in North Dakota who had abortions had one child, while an additional 33% of women having abortions had at least two children. So when we're working on legislation and folks say, well, we don't need to give all these sales tax exemptions, we don't need to look at the TANF programs, that doesn't make any sense. Well, no, we have the evidence showing that women who are having abortions are doing this because they understand the financial, in quotation, burden children bring about and they don't have the assistance or the support they need. And I know that this also comes down to, you know, legislation or handing out money can't fix everything. It is a cultural thing. But what I'm seeing is legislative decision follows culture. And I'll repeat that. Legislative decisions follow the culture. And we're seeing this. We're seeing that churches are stepping up. Certain dioceses are stepping up. In the state of North Dakota, we even have a program called the Champion Churches Initiative, where churches of all denominations are partnering together and they're discussing how can we help those most vulnerable? Do we need to set up a diaper bank? Do we need to set up you know, maybe there's some women in the community who can provide uh, child care or babysitting if a family needs to work and they need somebody to watch a child every now and again. So it's really amazing. And I think that that is very encouraging. And we will continue to watch out for any developments on the side of things and keep you all posted. But with the one-year anniversary of the overturn of Roe v. Wade, I I could not be happier. I feel like it has just been such an amazing ride. And I'm so grateful to be able to really experience this change that has gone on. So to get into some of these other articles that we have this week, we'll start on a lighthearted note. There's actually a new study showing that 70% of men would rather die early than give up meat what on earth? I've seen this all over Twitter, all over TikTok, all over Facebook. I think that that's pretty funny. Um, I think that with this green new energy, I almost said the green new deal. That's not even relevant anymore. With this new idea of urbanization and cutting down on meat consumption and cutting down on popu- uh, po- pollution. Oh my goodness, I apologize. It's pretty interesting. They just have a new article that says 70% of men would rather die early than give up meat. So we'll put a poll on Facebook and see what we, what kind of response we get from that. If you guys want to go and check that out and answer and get that engagement going. The next article I wanted to bring up is NBC News just released a new poll. 
you know, what are what are Republican primary voters, what are their most popular issues? So the most popular issues included defending the border, no sexualizing of children, and no sexual mutilation of minors. Huge. Those are the most popular ideas by far. And the least popular issues for our GOP voters, cutting Social Security, support funding in the Ukraine, pardoning the J6 rioters, January 6 rioters, and saying Trump won the election. So I feel like in the last two years, there's really been some shifting in the issues that voters are finding most important. But I think that one thing that really isn't listed on here, and I don't know if it wasn't asked, I don't know if it wasn't talked about, but the issue of life. And so with these, the popular issues, I mean, I'm very encouraged by those. Defending the border, the no no sexualizing of children, and the sexual mutilation of minors. That is huge. I mean, we see in all these states the the constant fight between gender-affirming care and the mutilation of minors. Where is our country going? And if our culture, like I said before, legislation follows culture, and this is going to be huge in the elections this year because we're going to be electing people who align with these values, this is huge that we have these issues at the forefront. I do wish that folks talked more about the life issue. And that's what I was saying is I don't know if this question wasn't asked for a reason. But I feel that last year or last election in 2022, that was something that I think Republicans really lacked on. Is this idea that we didn't even mention the issue of life. We didn't want to stir the pot. We didn't want to bring up anything that could, you know, ruffle feathers because we wanted to get as much support as we could. And I think overall that pretty much hurt us. And in 2022, we saw historic numbers with the election results were actually suburban women, young suburban women are the ones who decided the election. Women who have children, women who are raising families, women who are the foundation of their community, those are the voters who really swung and decided this previous election. And so focusing on the issues of that demographic is going to be huge. And like I just said, I mean, defending your home, protecting your kids, making sure your kids are kept kids, kept innocent. That is huge. And so to have these issues being the number one most popular issues of GOP voters is amazing. And I'll make sure to post that poll on the Facebook page. Another issue that we've seen is in the wake of, you know, court challenges, court cases that are coming up, we've actually seen some interesting court cases being filed in regards to transgender people and their legal names or their names, you know, their dead name, and then they have their new name or however they're identifying. 
So this all started because there were certain folks who were upset that they had issues changing their names on their driver's license. You know, let's say you had a Matthew who identified as a McKenzie now, but they couldn't get their driver's license changed because of certain restrictions. So we started seeing these lawsuits getting filed to make it easier to get your name transferred on your government-issued documents and to make it so that you became this new person once you've legally transitioned. Well, in the same breath, we're almost seeing this taken advantage of. And what I mean by that is there's now ideas where, again, let's use the same example. We have a Matthew who has transitioned into a McKenzie. They would like all of their previous criminal history, criminal records, they would like any conviction that they had ever had under their prior name, so Matthew, when they become McKenzie, they want it all taken away. Now, this isn't a popular idea at this point in time, but this is definitely a conversation that is being had. And that's scary for me to think. I mean, let's say I go out and I create a felony. I've embezzled or I've stolen a car and it's made it harder for me in the state of North Dakota to purchase a gun or to do whatever. I mean, there's so many opportunities or so many examples running through my head right now. Well, so all I have to do is legally transition and become, like, let's say Sam. I've gone from Sierra to Sam. And they can expunge my criminal records. They can remove all the convictions I've had under the name Sierra High Camp. Just food for thought, something to consider. And like I said, this is not a popular idea, but this is something that I've started to see surfacing and something that people are really starting to talk about. And once you talk about it and talk about it, then people start considering it. And so something just to be aware of, I will post a link on our Facebook page in regard to this as well. And then we can talk about it more, hopefully in the future as we find out more. Okay, so... The next article I wanted to speak about and the next issue is the fact that the NHL has officially banned gay pride and BLM Black Lives Matter jerseys from official games and warm-ups. And this is this is huge. I mean, th- and it's it's amazing in my opinion. You know, we've talked about this on the show, whether it's the NBA, whether it's the MLB, whether it is the NFL, all of this talk about pride and BLM and these other non-sports related issues, they're distractions. And it seems that the folks who are involved on our side of things you know, they just ignore it because you're not going to change anybody's opinion. We think, you know, we're not going to be able to convince people otherwise. So we just ignore it. But it's becoming a huge distraction, a huge distraction. 
And so I'm going to play this clip really quick here of the, the NHL commissioner speaking as to why they banned the jerseys. Commissioner, first of all, I, I understand there was a decision made on the pride jerseys in warm-up today at Board of Governors. Well, actually, I, I've suggested that it would be appropriate for clubs not to change their jerseys uh, in warm-ups because it's become a distraction and taking away from the fact that all of our clubs in some form or another host nights in honor of various groups or causes, and we'd rather that we continue to get the appropriate attention that they deserve and not be a distraction. Amazing. So you're just you're hearing that they say, you know, this is a distraction. And we saw this with the MLB. You know, these sporting leagues and these games, they're supposed to be a safe place. A lot of these stadiums, a lot of these teams, they have actual statements in their doctrine saying that these games and these teams are safe places for people of all different backgrounds. And so you know, if you're Catholic and you go to the Dodgers game and they have the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence performing at halftime or, you know, whatever their little thing was, it's it, it's offensive to us. It's offensive to us being Catholic and us feeling the way that we feel. And so I know we've talked about on the show before, you have these athletes that make statements, but like Father Orsi had said, you know, what does that do? And I agree. I, I completely agree. You have a couple of athletes come out and they make their statement. I give them total props for doing that. But what does that actually do? And so for the NHL to step up and make this decision is huge. We will post more about this on our Facebook page, Truth Culture Life Pod. Check us out. Give us a follow. Thank you so much for listening to my two solo segments today. Let me know how I did. And we'll be back with our third segment coming up here. We're going to go to a quick commercial break. You've been listening to Sierra Heidkamp with the Truth Culture Life Show. Thank you so much for listening. And we want to give a special shout out to Catholic Spirit Radio for broadcasting this program. If you haven't done so already, we, as always, we want to encourage you to download their app at catholicspiritradio.com. And be sure to share this program with your friends. We'll be back shortly with the third part of this uh, special episode of Truth Culture Life. July is the month for Catholic Spirit Radio's Matching Monday. I'm this year's Matching Monday donor, Patricia, and I'm going to double up to $6,000 every donation made on the Mondays in July. I challenge you to donate big, so I have to write that matching big check. Donate online at catholicspiritradio.com or mail your check on any Monday in July to 108 Boykin's Place in Normal. Why am I willing to be the matching donor? Before I converted, Catholicism seemed mysterious to me, even though my husband was Catholic. However, after speaking with a priest, I knew I wanted to become a Catholic too. I began listening to EWTN programs and grew tremendously in my understanding and love of the faith. When my children came along, I was thankful that we could attend church together, and we still do whenever family comes to town. Catholic Spirit Radio needs our financial support so we can grow in our faith. If you've never donated, start this July. If you've donated in the past, July is the month to give extra. Remember, I will double it during July Matching Mondays. Am I pregnant? This is often the first question a woman needs answered when she comes to the Pregnancy Resource Center. What now is the second question. Living Alternatives Pregnancy Resource Center is committed to providing excellent care, compassionate support, 
and honest information to those facing pregnancy decisions through authentic relationships that display grace, honor life, and foster community. Living Alternatives needs your help to encourage and support women in blooming to normal. Make your donation or find out more ways to get involved at PregnancyResourceCenter.org. Help seniors remain independent. Faith in Action is a nonprofit providing transportation for people over 60 to medical appointments and grocery stores. Become a Faith in Action driver in the extended Bloomington Normal area, 309-827-7780. Hi, this is Kathy and Anne from Catholic Spirit Radio. We are looking for folks who would love to volunteer with us during our fundraisers and various other station events and tasks throughout the year. We really need volunteers in the DeKalb, Sycamore, Morris, Joliet, and Lincoln areas, as well as Bloomington Normal. If you have a few extra hours or more a month, put them to use for the Lord. We would love to add your name to our Catholic Spirit Radio volunteer list. Contact us at office at catholicspiritradio.org. Welcome back to Truth Culture Life. My name is Sierra Heitkamp, and I have the pleasure of hosting our show this week. Uh, I know that I had mentioned previously that Royce would be on for this last segment here, but I actually am excited to share with you some audio from an interview that he had done previously about the overturn of Roe v. Wade. Again, thank you so much for listening to our show today, and we look forward to having you back next week. The overturning of Roe was um, something that from a, like, jurisprudential perspective had to happen. It was an absurdly bad decision. Even Ginsburg at one point said Roe was built on a house of cards. She recognized that it was really poor uh, from from just a, a legal perspective. On this special edition of Dear Jane, we celebrate and look back at the historic Dobbs decision that overturned Roe v. Wade. It's been one year. What have we learned? What has the pro-life movement done well? Where do we go from here? Joining us in our discussion today are Nellie Roach with Choose Life Marketing. She works with pro-life groups across the country. Also joining us is Royce Hood. Royce hosts his own radio show, Truth Culture Life, and is a licensed attorney and organizer of the Law of Life Summit. Thanks to both of you for joining me today. Let's start by remembering the day the Dobbs decision came down. Where were you? What do you remember? You know, um, coincidentally, I was planning a uh, the day that the Dobbs decision leaked. I was planning an event in Schaumburg uh, for early June or late June. Um, so we had just put the event on the calendar. We had started coming up with marketing materials. And then all of a sudden, the Dobbs leak happened. And it was just such a stunning um, and awesome opportunity to sort of, I don't want to say capitalize on that momentum, but it really, um, it positioned the Schomburg uh, Law of Life Summit, which was the event that I was working on, uh, to be sort of like the first big national gathering of pro-life leaders. Now, we we were hoping that the decision would uh, be finalized before that event, which was in late June. And if I remember correctly, the decision, the final decision came out like a week or two before the actual event. So it was leaked. You know, there's a couple of months of uh, several months of speculation about, you know, who's the leaker? What's the purpose? Will they, you know, will the justices uh, backtrack and be intimidated? And that was the purpose of the leak, by the way, was to intimidate the justices. But I think ultimately what ended up happening was whoever leaked it, the plan backfired. They effectively took the surprise. They took the wind out of the sails. 
And so when the when the final decision came down, although there was some protests and different things, I, I think you know conceivably it could have possibly been worse. But yeah, I I was definitely very shocked. I was uh, in a good way. Um, the overturning of Roe was um, something that, from a like jurisprudential perspective, had to happen. It was an absurdly bad decision. Even Ginsburg at one point said Roe was built on a house of cards. She recognized that it was really poor uh, from from just a, a legal perspective. But that didn't stop many, many lawyers you know, uh, and, and the general public from buying into to the decision. So, yeah, big day. It was it was definitely historical. Um, but our work isn't done, as, as you all well know. So which day was more emotional for you, the day of the leak or June 24th itself? Do you remember? Yeah, probably the day I heard the leak, because I think at that point um, I was very I'm optimistic, generally speaking, anyway. So I, I just sort of prayed for the justices that they would have the fortitude and the safety and the security to withstand whatever sort of nefarious pressure was going to be placed on them. Um, so that that day was uh, was, you know, it was definitely, I think, the biggest day. The day the decision came down officially, um, and the the final decision was a bit different than um, some of the leak information that we had seen. But it was it was awesome, um, and it was again. It was just, if I remember correctly, again, it was a short time before our June Law of Life Summit in Schaumburg. So it was just so awesome to be able to have that, and then have an event already planned with multiple leaders from around the country coming in to talk. So we were able to address the decision um, basically in real time uh, in a very, very uh, useful forum. Nelly, I don't know about you, but I remember when I first heard the leak, it was exciting and it was good news for sure. But I'm more of a, I'll believe it when I see it type of guy. Um, and, and, you know, again, as Royce referenced, maybe it could be derailed or maybe it's not true, whatever. Uh, it wasn't until it was officially announced that it became real and and emotional for me. What about you? It was the June 24th. It was very emotional for me uh, because it's what we had been praying for. Um, it's I realized that lives were going to be automatically saved. Um, and so um mm, I've, I always felt like we were going to win. And just like Royce, I am just, and, and you know this, Scott, about me. I'm just, I'm optimistic. I'm, I'm really optimistic in, in most things that I do. And I just knew. I just knew in my heart. And when it became a reality, uh, the first, it was so powerful. And I realized that our God was still in this. And our God was walking with us, and that made it super emotional for me. So, an exciting day, clearly, a an historic day. Um, but now let's um, let's sort of compare and contrast what we thought we knew then compared to what we now know a year later, and and if if there's any change at all. Before we do that, though, Royce, help us understand from a legal point of view. What exactly did Dobbs do and not do? I think there has been some confusion about, um, you know, what exactly the decision was. Give us a little sort of a layman's explanation of what 
Dobbs actually did do? Well, um, okay, that's a that's an interesting question because there's a few different ways that you can look at it. From the layman's perspective, Dobbs did not um, make abortion illegal at all. Um, it very simply returned the decision making authority of whether abortion should be regulated or not to the people. Um, and that's, that's as about as simple as it can get. What Roe did was Roe usurped the will of the people and, um, created a fictional constitutional right, which never existed before, had never been contemplated in any precedent before. And, uh, they did so from the bench in DC. Um, and so again, that's the simple perspective from a legal analysis. It's, it's really pretty interesting. Um, it, it, for me, basically, one of the things I learned was that common sense was not a foregone conclusion. I was a bit concerned about, you know, the, the, the nature of our courts for a while, because if you have, if you have justices that are unwilling to look at bad precedent, um, you know, that's, that's a real problem. So obviously Roe had been litigated numerous times throughout the year. And, and the, one of the big uh, decisions that was cited, uh, that was, has been cited for as long as I've been practicing law was the Casey decision. And Justice Alito pointed out that, um, Casey basically reaffirmed Roe without ever asking a question. And the basic question is whether the constitution actually confers a right to abortion or not. Um, and it just doesn't. And so it's, it's such a simple, it's, it's complex when you look at the whole decision, but it, the, the basis for why Roe was overturned is very, very simple. Uh, the power to the people, um, state sovereignty is something that's really important. We have a federal government. We have 50 states, right? And those states have what's called police power and they have legislative houses and, and so forth. And the people elect, you know, lawmakers to go to their state capitals and enact laws for their so sovereign states within our country. Um, so Dobbs returned that power to the people. And specifically what you just said there, it really made it a state issue. The states were able now are able to determine their own policy. That's right. Um, which I, which I want to get into a little bit, uh, just as an aside, Nelly, people listening, you know how people listening will know which one of us is a lawyer. The one who uses usurped in conversation, I don't think. Uh, Did I use that word? I don't remember. No, very impressive. I'm, that's one of those words you hear. It's like, I'm going to have to start using that more in conversation. That's that's pretty cool. Um, so, so Nelly, let's, let's talk about what has happened in the year uh, after. And, you know, I want to sort of couch this on a previous episode of Dear Jane. I asked the question, was there a downside to Dobbs? And what I meant by that was, here's some of the things that we've seen, and here's what I want us to talk about a little bit. We've seen the other side motivated, like maybe never before, but certainly the, the pro-abortion side is, is extremely motivated now, to what extent we could argue. Uh, but then the other thing that we've seen is some states now really, like I'm thinking of Minnesota, I'm thinking of Colorado lift all restrictions to the point of insanity on i mean they have gone so far the other way so within that context as you think of the past year since dobbs um what has surprised you 
what what uh, what what do you think uh, is is different than you may have thought? Just sort sort of what is your analysis of the past year? Well, I think that um, what really surprised me was the lawmakers and the pregnancy centers not really connecting. And what I saw was that it was the um, just their lanes were so separated when they should have been so connected. Um, I was very surprised that lawmakers didn't know how to talk about the pro-life movement, did not know how to talk about pregnancy centers. And I was also very, very um, surprised that there was so much hesitation from the pregnancy centers uh, to the right to life organizations um, and to the lawmakers. And so there was just a lot of unsettled feelings um, that uh, that I didn't think were a thing. And it, they definitely um, have been as I followed the Colorado and the Minnesota uh, hearings when when we're having these discussions, I, I realized that there was such a gap. And that is why we had stood up the public affairs um, initiative for us to be able to fill that gap and allow people to or allow the movement to really come together, um, even though they are part of this movement and they have the different parts that they should be communicating with each other and having really strong, strong allies and relationships with one another. It completely changed the landscape, um, you know, in marketing. What I will tell you, though, is that we must not forget that it is her. Yes, she there's there's a baby that is in jeopardy. But she, the abortion-minded woman who um who is scared, who feels as though she now is completely confused, uh, and she matters. She matters in all of this. And her feelings of terror and uncertainty um, for her future did not change. She's the same girl as she was in 1973. And so that didn't change. So, well, you know, we, we sort of like in our different lanes of the movement, I just encourage our listeners to remember her. Because it's about her first, because she has the biggest influence in saving her baby and choosing life for her baby. Royce, what about you? What would the Royce of, of 2022 be surprised or, um, if anything, um, a year later, uh, as you look in the aftermath now of the Dobbs decision, what has gone kind of the way you thought it would? What has uh, surprised you a little bit? Yeah. Um, again, great question. I, I've, I've thought about this a little bit because I, I think in, in some senses, as an attorney, nothing really surprises me anymore. Um, but practically speaking, and this is sort of more of a, a, a negative slant on things, but I, I think about Kansas where, you know, that we saw the, um, the, the ballot, the ballot measure rejected in Kentucky and so forth. Um, I've, I've heard numerous times, um, that in Kansas, 
for example, um, and I've seen reports that something like 95% of the advertisement revenue in that state came from out of state. So the the opposition adds to the ballot measure with just really insidious and untrue marketing things like if you vote yes, women will die. And all, all Kansas was saying is that nothing in the Constitution creates a right to abortion. It wouldn't have actually restricted abortion. It just was going to make it very, very clear preemptively that abortion was not a constitutional right under their state constitution. So we've got, you know, I think about like Thomas Jefferson, who oftentimes talked about, you know, the importance of an informed electorate. Um, what surprises me, and I think many people are beginning to understand this, is the fact that a majority of our information is controlled by a few. And I think people are starting to realize that, you know, it's it's sort of hypothetically, we, we live in sort of this matrix where the illusion of freedom, um, take voting, for example, is controlled by narratives. Um, an opposition and it's, 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 it's a bit, frankly insidious. So how does this relate to abortion? Well, are we still having debates about whether or not a baby is a baby? I've been engaged in those debates online and social media. And it's shocking to me that we're still having that conversation because that conversation, that argument has been won. It was won years and years ago as our technology continues. You can to hear that entire podcast. Uh, that is a Dear Jane podcast on Apple and other uh, major podcast platforms. That is Dear Jane with Scott Baker. I want to thank him so much for having me on along with Nellie Roach from Choose Life Marketing. And Choose Life Marketing is actually rebuilding the websites for the Law of Life Summit as well as for RoyceHood.com. So I'm super excited to announce those new websites soon. But we want to thank again Scott and Nellie for having me on their Dear Jane program. Special shout out to Catholic Spirit Radio for the special edition of Truth Culture Life. We'll see you again next week.